0: So it's open in prayer as we look at the word. Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word. Open it up and open our eyes to see what you would want us to see and help us to understand and to see what you want us to see for this day and age. And we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 20, starting at verse 27. Then came to him certain of the Sadducees, which deny that there is a resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, saying, If a man's brother die, having a wife, and he die without children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. There were therefore several brethren, and the first took the wife, and he died without children. The second took her to wife, and he died childless. The third took her, and in like manner the seven also, and they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of them is she? For seven had her to wife, and Jesus answering said unto them, The children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but they which, are, which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die any more, they, for they are equal unto the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Now that the dead are raised, even Moses showed at the bush when he called the Lord of God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, for he is not a God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. So we have this situation where they're trying to trap Jesus in some kind of theological discussion. First off, we want to look at the Sadducees and who are the Sadducees. All right, Uh, They're a very interesting group. You had the Pharisees who believed in the supernatural and the power of God and all of that. The Sadducees were a very interesting group of people. And here in Luke, Luke says the most important thing is they don't believe in the resurrection. And they asked Jesus a question about the resurrection that they don't believe in. All right, so that's, but that's just one. One aspect of the Sadducees, they were very pragmatic people. They lived for today. They did not look into the future. They would do whatever was best. They believed things like the ends justify the means, so you could do whatever you wanted as long as you got to where you wanted to go. They denied this, that the scriptures were inspired of God, which is why they say Moses told us, not that God wrote and told Moses. They, 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 excuse me, they denied the resurrection they denied that there were the immortality of the soul. They believed like we do, like many people in this world today, that once you die, you're dead. So they, they would be just like our atheist of today. Once you die, you become worm food. That would be their, their mentality. You know, all these things are not new. You know, all the stuff that we go through today were the Sadducees of, of their day. All right. They believed that there was no spirits or angels. There was no spiritual world. And they, they denied that God controls anything. So these were, the, these were the type of people coming to Jesus to ask this very silly question from themselves because they don't believe anything that they're making that question. And it's kind of an interesting thing. How often do people come to you to lay out an argument against Christianity when they don't believe in what they're saying in the first place? And we've seen this over and over in a lifetime. I've seen it hundreds of times at least when I talk to people they don't believe in jesus but they'll lay out this crazy argument that thinking jesus said something they don't believe in god being sovereign but they'll lay out this you know this argument that we all hear why does god allow bad things to happen to all these good people and you talk to them and they really don't believe in god they don't believe in the sovereignty of god they don't believe that god's in control of anything and yet they're going to give you this argument why would god do this well you don't even believe him anyway, so why are you even questioning this all right, let's get you to believe in God in the first place. Then we can deal with why does he allow bad things to happen? And well, bluntly, it's because there are no such thing as good people. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, You know, but the wages, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So there is no good people in the first place. And when I get a chance, when I meet these people, and why do bad things happen to good people? I'll say, well, have, you're asking the wrong question. It's why does anything good happen to all of us bad people? And it's only because of God's grace and mercy that anything good happens to anybody in this world. But we have to change the way we think. And this is important for us when we're dealing with the lost world. Don't take the questions they ask that are backwards. Help them understand what God really says and really does. And this is so important for us because we sometimes are so wimpy when we're talking to these people that we go well, you know. What I really don't know why God lets bad, good things happen to, or bad things happen to all of us. You know, it's really a terrible thing. I don't. I just don't. Understand. We've got an answer. They may not like our answer, but we have answers. You know, this is the great thing when you're talking to people. People will tell you, well, you know, we're all just a bunch of evolutionary accidents. Well, if that's the case, why do you care about bad things? If ev- evolution is the end result, then Anybody dying out, anything dying out, doesn't deserve to live. Now, I don't believe that because God says he created everything. And yes, I care about things dying out because God created them. But if we're evolutionary accidents, then it doesn't matter about anything else. There is no right or wrong. There is no good or evil because we're just accidents. They don't like our answers. Our answers are built on God's word. So these guys come, these Sadducees come to Jesus and they ask him a question. This is based on, if you want to read it, in Deuteronomy 25, verses 5 through 8. It is told that if, because it is so important to have progeny for your name, that if somebody dies and they do not have any children, that their brother was to take that wife. And then it goes really any any farther. There's not a brother, then it becomes an uncle and it comes down a long way long line of list of people that one of the male progeny were going to take this wife and the first child from that that union would be long to the brother. The greatest story that we know about this is Ruth and Boaz. All right so if you remember that story at the very end Ruth has the first baby that Boaz and her have and what happens is uh, I can't remember her name I want to call her Miriam because that's who she said she was. (laughs) Can't remember her actual name. But anyway, the (laughs) mother-in-law says, this is my child. And we kind of read that saying, well, that's pretty greedy. But no, it was her child. It belonged to her to hold the name of her husband and his family in in generations for that. So we need to understand that this is something that is part of what God says. He says the seed is so important that we need to make sure that seed was coming along. We live in a day and age where people don't even want to have children anymore. And this happens in every great nation when it gets to the peak of its existence. They stop deciding to have children because children are a nuisance. And I've been reading all kinds of articles on on the internet that people are are not wanting to have children because they're a nuisance. They get in the way of their living. You know, and I understand that. Sometimes it is a pain in the neck to have children. But that's just part of being a parent. Now... And if you would quit having kids at 40 and 50 years old, then you could have fun, at, fun in your older age when you have the money instead of being a nuisance. Have the kids when you're young and be done with them, <laughs> you know, um, which is what they did. <laughs> but you know, this is something that is very interesting because I have even been asked by some of my own kids, how did you ever afford to have four kids? Well, because we decided we were gonna have kids. We were married at 20 years old. By the time we were done with kids, they were, we hadn't, we hadn't built a life that built on, you know, enjoyment. But our whole world is all about enjoyment. What is good for me today rather than what we're doing? And we need to understand as Christians, our job is to serve Christ. And when you're in the service of somebody, that means you're working. And work is not fun most of the time. You may enjoy what you're doing, but work isn't always fun. Even if you enjoy what you're doing, work isn't always fun. But again, going back to the song that we sang, I'll fly away. There is only a short time before we get to enjoy heaven. And whatever our work in heaven is going to be, it's going to be totally different than it is in this world. So we want to keep this in mind a short time. So these guys come. They basically are are basing their argument on Deuteronomy 25. And they say, Jesus, we're going to set up this huge tragedy situation. This man, this brother gets married, and he dies without having children. And the other six brothers all marry this woman. Now, that's a big tragedy to have six straight male. At that time, I would wonder, what's wrong with that woman? You know, is she killing her husbands at this point in time? You know, it's, uh, but they're setting up this huge tragedy. You know, Jesus, this woman, ends up with six, seven husbands, and they all die. And then finally she dies and she doesn't have any children. All right. You kind of wonder about this. They're, they're setting it up as if this was a real event. But this is just an argument that they make. The world likes to argue facts with us. They will come in and we've said this many times. You know, you're you witnessing to somebody go, well, I just can't believe the Bible. It's full of contradictions. Well, and I've told you, I'll challenge them, have them name one. They don't know, they, you know, most of the people who say that can't even name one contradiction. They just, somebody has told them that it's full of contradictions and they propose, they throw that out. And you'll go, well, give me one contradiction. Well, you know, there's lots of them. No, give me one so we can deal with the one. All right. And we need to work with them on this. Challenge people again. Do not let these things go by unchallenged. Now maybe you'll hit the one person who kind of, kind of comes up with one of the five supposed contradictions out there. And there's a few other minor ones, but there's five big ones that they'll come up with. And if you don't know the answer, you you know what, I don't know how to answer that, but let me go find the answer and we'll talk, we'll talk later. Then come and see me and we'll help you get the answer. Or look it up on the internet, they're easy to find the answers. But they're, they're all answerable, there no, there aren't any contradictions. I've been studying for 52 years and there's no contradictions that aren't, aren't answerable but don't let them get away with these excuses. Don't let them get away with it. There are answers for these things, and and be ready. Be a good student of the word. Be, Be a good workman, ready to give an answer. You know, Peter tells us, be ready always to give an answer for what you believe. Where Paul tells us to be good workers that are ready to answer. We need to be ready, why? Because we represent Christ, we are his ambassadors in this world and we need to be ready to be able to give an answer for what we believe. And this is what I love about Christianity. God is not afraid of questions. He is not. In Isaiah, he says, Come now, let us reason together. For your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. If you go to any other religion out there, their documents, their teachings are not able to be examined and held up. They don't stand up to science. They don't stand up to logic. And you're only supposed to believe them by faith. Don't question them. We have a God who created logic. He created thought. He is not afraid of questions. And I love to be able to answer questions. As you all know, I love to answer those questions. I love to people go, I just don't understand this. And sometimes you may, you may have me. We were talking this morning about the, about the Trinity. And I'm going, well, I can teach you that God teaches that, we, that he is a Trinity and we can't understand it. Because it's way beyond. I can tell you what God says about it. But we can never understand it. And there are some things, you know, people go, well, doesn't that bother you? No, it doesn't bother me that there are things that we cannot understand. Because if I could understand everything there was to know about God, God isn't big enough. I would be God if I could understand everything there was about God because that would make me smarter than the God I'm supposed to be following. I like that there are things that I don't fully understand, that can make the logic of and I can see, but it doesn't bother me that there are things that I don't understand because if I could understand everything, he's not big enough. And that blows some people away, especially some of my college friends that I've had over the years. Well, you've got to understand this. I go, no, I have a God who is above all. He has to be above all, otherwise he is too small and he is not God. And this is very important for us to be able to understand. Don't get panicky because you can't answer every skeptic's problems. There's none of us that can. I've read a lot of the scholars. I've read a lot of the deep thinkers in the past. You know, they have the same questions I have. How? What's the Trinity? Oh, well, they'll explain it just like I know. What is God's omniscience? Well, they'll explain it, but I don't, you know, but they'll, they'll go, we don't fully understand. What does God know? He knows everything. He knows everything. And somehow, and I've said this before, if somehow I could manage to learn everything there is in this world, God would just create more stuff for me to learn. And I'm never going to learn all the stuff there is to learn in this world But maybe in eternity I somehow start learning everything so he'll just create more stuff to learn. Because that's how all-knowing he is. Do you understand what I'm saying? No matter how knowledgeable we think he is, no matter how powerful we think he is, no matter how big we think he is, being finite, we put a number out there or, or a listing and God is bigger than whatever we can think of. Now, when we first start thinking, we have this little tiny thought process, and the longer we think about it, we get this bigger and bigger process. But no matter how huge your thought process is, you don't have a God who's big enough, or strong enough, or knowledgeable enough. These men are trying to trick him. The all-knowing God, they're trying to trick him with this information, and they set up a scenario for something they don't even believe in. In the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Now, I hate to disillusion people that are happily married, but you know what? When you're in heaven, you're not going to be married to that person. Now, you probably say we'll have some special relationship with them up in heaven, but you're not married to them in heaven because Jesus says, once you're there, you're not married. Now, this is hard to understand sometimes because, you know, we think about this, but our marriage is till death do us part. All right? Not, Not into the afterlife. And Jesus says... The children of this world marry and are given in marriage. Because in this world, you have this relationship. Because who are we married to in heaven? We are married to Jesus. Not to one another, but to Jesus. In a one, one-to-one one relationship where we will become one with him in heaven, as the picture of the marriage is in this life. And then in verse 5, it says, But they which are accounted worthy to obtain that world, the heavenly world. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing because Jesus is talking to the Sadducees, and he says, those who are found worthy to obtain. Well, they're going to be thinking, well, number one, they don't care because they don't believe in the afterlife anyway. So that's the first thing. But the Pharisees hearing this are going to go, well, yeah, the people who do good enough things that, that earn their way into heaven. We know that we cannot earn our way into heaven. How do we obtain eternal life? We believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead and gives us a free gift of salvation. For by grace are we saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we hear this all the time. If you've done any witnessing, you talk to somebody, well, how do you think you get to heaven? Well, I hope that I'm good enough to get to heaven. I hope that I have done enough good deeds. Well, you know what? When you're talking to those people, they go, you know what? I have bad news for you. You're not good enough. And they go, what? I go, well, neither am I, so don't worry about it. None of us are good enough to go to heaven on our own merits. That bothers people. But it should be good news for us because if I had to work my way to heaven, I'd be like every other religion that says, does my good outweigh my bad? Can you imagine if you're right there, you're right on the tipping place, and just before you die, you commit a sin and drop the, drop the scales to the other direction and you don't have time to repent or do something good to make up for it. That's got to be a sad way to live, to never know if you've done enough good or bad. In Christianity, it's real simple. The wages of sin singular is death. So if you've ever committed a sin, you're worthy of death and hell. And according to God, all of us have earned have earned death and hell. The good news is that Jesus came to this world to die for our sins. Now he doesn't go into this while he's talking to this to the to the Sadducees. He's just saying, You know, those who are found worthy to obtain that gift is from God. The ages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Roman of John 316 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We put our trust in Jesus. Complete trust being totally persuaded that he is the sacrifice for my sins. And decide that I am going to turn my life over to him. And we get the gift of heaven and eternal life. And I've had people, well, that's too easy. And I've come down to the point where I'm going, yeah, it's so easy that you're probably not going to do it. Which does make, especially for those who think they're smart or think they're somehow good. It makes things really hard for them to say, well, it's so easy. You just have to turn your life over to God. And this is why children get saved so easy because they're willing to accept that Jesus is the only way. Adults get a little smarter and go, well, you know, I hope that I've done enough good. I I have to earn my way and they get a little proud. I've got to be the one that does this work. But Jesus told them, and he just left it at that. He just kind of drops it in. Those, Those that earn that world and the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. So he's giving them an education. He's teaching them very gently. And, you know, this is for us. When we're in there discussing things with people, do we sit there and try to argue and win an argument and beat them up with a bunch of facts and rules and stuff? That's not going to win most people. Matter of fact, I don't know that it'll win anybody in the long run. We present the information. We give them the facts. And you all know that I love to tell you, I love to talk about spiritual things. I love to even debate with people who don't believe what I believe as long as they don't put a flag on the hill and say, I'm going to die on this belief. As soon as they put that flag on there and say, this is so important to me that I'm going to die for this. I'm not I'm not going to debate that information because I just want to present facts. Let them present what they believe, let them and I'll present what I believe. Now, there are a handful of things that I have will taken very strong stance on. One is that Jesus is the Son of God who died for our sins and is the only way to heaven. That one is a non, non-negotiable. I will not accept any other standard on this. I will take and th- say that the Bible is the absolute word of God and every word of it is, is valid and true. You know, beyond that, there's not much worth arguing over and taking a stand on to die for. And you all know that I'm very strong on what I believe and why I believe it and I can tell you why I believe what I believe. And I've all told you, if you don't believe with me, that's fine, as long as you can tell me why you believe what you believe, outside of the fact that Jesus is the only way to heaven, and that the Bible is true. But beyond, beyond those, I don't care what you believe, because it's between you and God. And for the most part, I know what you're going to say. If you disagree with me, I know what you're going to say, because I've I've studied all the different sides of all, all the coins, and I know why I believe what I believe, and I believe it very strongly. And obviously, after 52 years of study, I really believe that I'm right. And when we get to heaven, you'll all find out that I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> no, I don't, when I say that, but understand I'm saying it very facetiously. I might find out that I'm wrong in heaven. But you know what? When I get to heaven, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to care because I know I'm right in the most important one, Jesus is the only way to heaven. So we need to understand Jesus is teaching these, these discre- uh Sadducees. Now, he could have gone, I don't know why you're asking me this question, because you all don't even believe in the resurrection in the first place. You don't believe that this is the word of God, so why are you wasting my time with this question? But that's not the way he was. He just starts educating them. Teaching them. Well, you know what? You're not really understanding, but those who do get into the resurrection, they're not going to be married in the resurrection. So it doesn't matter. Your question is totally irrelevant. And then he goes, they are equal to the angels. Again, we're, he's talking to a people that don't believe in the resurrection. They don't believe in the spiritual world. So he's going, okay, when those who've actually earned, obtained it, and enter into this eternal life that you don't believe in are like the angels that you don't believe in. <laughs> now, he's not saying that you don't believe in, but, you know, they're looking at this, well, we don't really believe this stuff, so why is he telling us all this stuff if he's such a great teacher? Because he's teaching them the truth. And this is so important, he goes, Neither will they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are the children of God, being the children of creation. So he's telling them there's eternal life. After you're dead, you're don't you are dead you do not you do not cease to exist. There there is a spiritual world. You know, do you understand what Jesus is doing there? He is correcting all of their misconceptions or most of their con- misconceptions without calling them a bunch of calling them a bunch of dumb idiots which would have been my in- inclination, you know, you guys are dumb. You're t- telling me this stuff that you don't even believe in. Jesus was gentle with them. Now, I've learned to be more gentle. I've, uh, I've told you all, when I graduated from Bible school, I knew, all, I knew all the answers to every spiritual controversy there was. And I was right. And I absolutely knew I was right. And I'd argue tooth and nail over it. And God has mellowed me out over the years to say, no, you're, you know, number one, he showed me that I don't know as much as I thought I do. And even today, after... All these years of study, I still don't know all the stuff I'm supposed to know. Now, I know more than a lot of people, and I know more than than many, but you know what? God keeps showing me that I don't know everything. And what I do know, sometimes he shows me that I don't know it. So we need to understand, Jesus is gently teaching these people, and then he he goes even further. He goes, now that the dead are raised... Even Moses showed at the burning bush whom he called the Lord of God of Abraham, of God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He goes that he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live unto him. Do you realize that God looks at this and says, there's life. What was Jesus taking on the last one? There is eternal life. When you're dead, you do not cease to exist. Then that's the description in the Old Testament of Jesus. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of the living. He goes, he doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He goes, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He goes, they are still living. What did he tell Moses' name was at the burning bush? He goes, I am that I am. I am the existing one. I am alive. He is outside of time. Time does not matter to God. That is hard for us to understand because we are creatures of time. But God is outside of time. He looks down on time. He sees the beginning from the end and he is existing in the beginning and the end. And when Abraham was walking, God already had died on the cross and was in the millennial millennial kingdom. When Adam and Eve were created, he was already seeing the millennial kingdom. And that was going to be 6,000 years later that it starts, and he still saw the millennial kingdom. And even worse, before he even created everything, he knew the beginning from the end before it was even created. Now, we can't even comprehend that. God knew exactly what was going to go on in this world before he even created this world. When he created Adam and Eve, he knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin and that he was going to have to die on the cross 4,000 years and reign on on this world in in 6,000 years at the time of creation. And already knew he is not surprised by anything that, that we do or that happens to us because he already knows that it's happened from his perspective. And you know what? With all of that, he still loves us. He still loves us enough to die on the cross for us, knowing exactly what we were going to do and how we were going to respond. I don't know about you, but that is mind-blowing to me. Why would he create man, knowing that man was going to sin and that it was going to cost him his life to be able to redeem man so that we could spend eternity with him? I can't think of a single person that would have done that but God did because he sees something precious in us that he cares about and loves. And Jesus is gently telling them, you do not understand God. You do not understand the spiritual world. You do not understand the resurrection. And you know what? Neither do we as his followers today. All that I can say is the most important thing is for us to recognize that we are sinners and I know the testimony of just about everybody in this room, and so I know that most everybody in this room has said, I am a sinner and I, des- and I need Jesus Christ. But this is the most important thing, recognizing that we do not deserve heaven and that we cannot deserve heaven. If we could somehow find a way to have deserved heaven, then Jesus wasted his time coming to this world to die for our sins. Plain and simple. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I have come to live a perfect life, die on a cross so that people can be accepted by the Father, be clothed in the righteousness of Christ, or be rejected. And when people stand before God at the white throne judgment, they're going to be judged for their lack of perfection. Jesus covered their sin. Isaiah tells us that all our righteousnesses are filthy rags. The best things that we can do is filthy rags. So there are going to be those who have rejected Jesus Christ, standing before him at the white throne judgment, going, "Ah, let me show God all the good things that I've done as they look down and realize that they're wearing filthy rags. And they're going to say, God, I really deserve to be in uh, heaven. I think I thought I deserved to be in heaven. Some people will be clothed in lots of filthy rags because they had lots of supposedly good works. Others will have practically nothing, but it doesn't matter. They still won't be clothed in the righteousness of Christ and be able to be coming into heaven. Whether they have lots of good works or little good works, they're not going to be able to earn heaven because they're they're going to be appearing before God in filthy rags. This is why it's so important that we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ and say, God, I want to be yours. I want your righteousness. What does that mean? We give up our own pride, our own thinking that we're something. You know, and there are some of us that have more pride than others. God has been knocking at my pride a lot over the years, knocking it down, knocking it down. But I submitted to him many years ago and saying, God, you're the only way I can get to heaven. This is our message to people we are sinners, we deserve hell. Jesus died for our sins so that we could be able to go to heaven and we've all heard it well that you guys are just saying you can do whatever you want if you have Jesus as your savior well technically yes the answer is yes as long as he is your savior but if he's your savior you're not going to want to do all the bad because he lives in you and you're going to feel bad trying to do the bad that you are allowed to do because we're at liberty but you know, we've said this over and over again. When you are his and you do something wrong, you immediately get convicted by the Holy Spirit and you feel bad about having done something bad. And it's real interesting. If you're his, you cannot sin because you're going to feel guilty. If you can sin without feeling guilty, you're probably not his. It's a real simple, simple process. And I'm not saying you can lose your salvation, I'm just saying you never had a salvation to lose. You know. When we are his, we cannot go out and sin without feeling that guilt that you told a lie, that you did, you, you took something that wasn't wor- yours or whatever it is, you feel guilty because the spirit is in you, is convicting you and pushing you to confess what you've done so that you can be right with God again. But you don't lose your salvation. And I've met many people who go, well, you know, I, I've never felt guilty for anything I've done. I'm going, well, then you better make sure you know Jesus. They go, that's pretty judgmental. I go, and I know. But if you're not feeling guilty for having done something wrong and the Holy Spirit isn't convicting you, then you're really not his child. Because Jesus disciplines, or God the Father disciplines his children. All the time. And we need to be able to understand, Jesus is teaching these guys that he's the God of the living. Paul tells us that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Our eternal life that is given to us at the moment we're saved starts at the moment we're saved. And I know this is news for a lot of people who hear it. It doesn't start the moment that our body dies. It starts the moment we accept Jesus Christ. We have eternal life from that moment on. Now, those who don't accept Jesus Christ, they have an eternal existence as well. It's eternal death. They are going to spend eternity in hell. Oh, excuse me. They will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Hell is the holding place until they get judged and put into the lake of fire. Not much difference between the two. They're both, th- they're both painful. They're both, uh, they're both fire. They're both con- conscience burning you. They're both, d- d- uh, but that is their eternity. And, the, and people will go, well, how could God do that to them? He's given them what they wanted. They rejected him. He sends them to where they wanted to go. Plain and simple. Because heaven would not be heaven for those who reject God. Why do I enjoy this life? Because God is with me now and I enjoy spending as much time as I can with God. So I'm looking forward to going to heaven and always being with God. But you know what? If I didn't want to be with God, heaven would be a miserable place. People go, well, why doesn't God just make everybody go to heaven? What a terrible place heaven would be if people were there because they had to be there. I don't want anything to do with God, and God's going to make me go to heaven. And it's going to be heaven because I don't want to be there. <laughs> He's going to give them what they want, and they're going to find out that what they wanted is even worse than what they rejected. But God will honor our decision. We have a very short window of time in this world to make a decision for God that affects eternity, good or bad. If we reject God, we reject God, we reject God, then he gives an eternity where, we re- where he then says, okay, you rejected me, I now reject you. And once they get to hell, they're going to want Jesus. You know, the Laz- parable of the, uh, the story about Lazarus and the, and the rich man, that rich man really wanted to go to heaven when he got to hell. And he goes, hey, I'm thirsty down here. I just need a drop of water on my tongue because it's so parched and burning down here. He really wanted out of where he was at. And it's too late. Once we die, it's appointed unto man once to die and then to have the judgment. Once to die and after that the judgment. What we do in this lifetime affects eternity for good or bad. And this is what Jesus is teaching these, scri- these Sadducees. You know, you all aren't even understanding this. Let me just tell you all the points that you don't even understand and he hits almost every one of the points that they deny. Each one of the points that they deny the power of Jesus says this, 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 this. You know, you don't believe in the resurrection? Well there is there is a life after that. You don't believe that the you know in the eternality of the soul there is a point. He goes, You don't believe in, in God's word, there is a reason for this. He keeps going down each one of the points in just a few verses he keep, he hits almost everything that you don't believe to say you need to come you need to come before God. So for us, as we're out there, number one in our own life, the question is, do we truly know God? Do we truly trust him? Do we follow him with our heart? Does he, is he our Lord? Make that decision. But as we're talking to people, we need to make sure we're challenging them to make some decision. Not hard, not, not mean and nasty, but do you really know Jesus? Jesus. You know, witness to them. If you have a hard time witnessing, grab some tracks and pass out the tracks. Don't take the tracks and put them in a drawer, but take the tracks and pass them out. You know, encourage people to get to know God. Answer their questions as they c- as they come to you. You know, make sure people know that you are a Christian in the first place. You know, and then start to serve Him. You know, people will say all the time, "Well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian." You know what? They're absolutely right. You do not have to go to church to be a Christian. I will tell you one thing, though, you will never be a strong, growing Christian without going to church. Because you need to be taught. You need to have accountability before others. Those people that say, well, I'm a Christian. I don't want anything to do with church. Don't want to do anything with the Bible. I'm going, well, show me that you are a Christian. Show me that you have any growth, any progress. And most of them don't. I hear it all. Well, I can be at the lake and worship God. I can be on the mountain and worship God. And the answer is, yes, I know you can, but are you? And I've asked that question all the time. Well, while I'm at the lake fishing, I can worship God. And I go, yes, but how much are you? How much are you worshiping God when you're in that place? Yes, you can do it, but are you doing it? Again, do you understand what I'm saying? We don't have to be mean and nasty about it, but we need to challenge the world. Challenge them as to where they're at. Be able to make them think. Because when they stand before God, it's too late to make any decisions because when they're standing before God, they're going to believe in God. They may not believe in God until that point in time, but when they're standing at the white throne judgment looking up at God, they're going to go, well, I don't really believe in you up there. Because at that time, they're seeing him. I don't know what they're going to see on the throne. I don't know what, how they're going to see what they're going to see, but they're going to see God. And they will believe in God. They will believe in the sacrifice of Jesus when they go to hell for rejecting him. Because at the white throne judgment, God is going to show them every time they rejected Jesus. And one thing I tell you is everybody will have a time when they had a chance. Because God is a completely just God. He will show them the times when they rejected the grace of God and, and chose not to follow him. So our goal here for me today is, number one, if you don't know him, make the decision to follow him. we got lots of people online. Maybe somebody online will get this. And for us, let's look to make him Lord and Master and get to know him better. Become good workmen, good ambassadors, and get to really know what you believe. That only comes through teaching and study and following through. Lord, we ask you to bless this time that we've had with you. Lord, if there's anybody listening online or anywhere else that doesn't know you, we ask today that they will recognize that they're a sinner and they will say, Lord, I deserve punishment for my sin. I accept you as my Lord and Savior and your sacrifice for my... come into my life and be my master and save me. And for the rest of us, Lord, teach us to be good servants and good followers of you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friend, do you know where you'll go after you die? Without the gift of Jesus, it will be an eternity in hell without God. Good works will not get you there. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. To spend eternity with God, we must recognize that we are sinners in need of Christ. For all of sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To be assured eternal life, we simply talk to God, admit you are a sinner, and ask him for his free gift. You must mean the words to get the, to be answered. Jesus is waiting to hear your request. If you have asked him for eternal life, he has come into you and he will change you. Start reading the book of Ephesians and see what God says about your new life. After you understand the book of Ephesians, you can start reading the Gospel of John. Next, find a good Bible teaching church. Tell the pastor about your decision for God and be taught. If you contact us, we will send you a new believer booklet free of charge. Congratulations and grow in Christ. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by snail mail at P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431. We are happy to help with your new life in Christ or even answering Bible questions. Again, congratulations on your decision for Christ.